for this day. Thank you, Lord. God, that we have already lifted you up this morning and worship and expression. And, uh, and God, we just ask that you would be here. You would speak to us. Let your spirit speak to our hearts. Lord, show us your word. Illuminate the word of God into our hearts. Lord, as we talk about some very practical things that people ask in a biblical perspective, that you would awaken our hearts to become more like Jesus. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So thanks again for submitting those questions. We had a ton of great questions. Um, it'll be this week. Next week, Athena and I will uh, also share again together. And then the last week of August, I will do the very last um, sermon in that series. So, um, you know, again, I really appreciate you submitting. And um, we opened up these questions. And we, uh, what we said at the very beginning was that we were going to look at these from a biblical perspective. Um, we're not going to give you self-help motivation, um, my opinion. We're going to look at Scripture and see what Scripture says about these things because we believe that it is God's Word. It is alive. It is, uh, is God-breathed. He gave us His Word to guide us, to lead us, to ultimately make us more like Christ. So His Spirit and His Word make us more like Jesus. So I believe that everything in the Word of God um, is applicable to us, and uh, and again, there's something from our cultural law that we don't adhere to anymore, but there's life law, there are principles that are ageless, and they have stood the test of time. And so we're going to look at those. All right, first question is this. Is it a form of worship to eat healthy and exercise? You get real practical with that. Is it a form of worship? The short answer to that is yes, it is. Um, every part of our lives is stewardship. Every part of our life is stewardship, or the word when we hear stewardship, we think of management. I've talked a little bit about, about that in the past, and what the word steward means. A lot of times we hear stewardship, and we immediately think money. Money is one part, our money is one part of stewardship. Stewardship encompasses all that we are. And this idea goes back to the God's blueprint where He creates Adam and Eve. They're in the garden and He gives them management, not ownership. They don't own it. It's management, it's stewardship. They steward it, fill the ground, and take care of it. In other words, I've given you this gift, now manage it the way I want you to manage it. And so when God gives us something, He gives us life. He then gives us parameters in which we manage and handle. And I've, I've used this illustration before, but it's like a store owner, and then, you know, let's say the, the, the owner of the chain, you know, whatever you want to say, the owner of the chain hires you to be a store manager. Well, the way you manage that store is based on the owner's wishes and his parameters. And they own it, you manage it. And so they would, they, would, they would tell you, here's how we want to do this. This is how we're going to, uh, you know, do customer service. This is going to be how we uh, form this or that, depending on what, what, what you have in front of you. But you manage it. What that owner does not want you to do is go in there and start disregarding what he wanted you to put in place. And you, you just begin to say, well, I'm managing, I think I'll take them. So that's where we get to That right there is somewhat even the definition of sin. Is 
we are managers and that we then what we do is we disregard God and we say, you know what, I'll, I'll take ownership of this. I'll do it however I want to do it. And he says, no, I'll give you parameters because I love you. I want, I want the best for you. I want to bless you. And I see the big picture. You don't. I'm the owner. You're the manager. And you see it, what Adam and Eve did in the garden when they disobeyed is basically they said, God has given us parameters. Do not touch this tree. And, you know, a lot of times we can get wrapped up in the tree and why the tree and the serpent. It basically said, don't touch it because it gives them free will. And they said, at some point, we don't trust God. We don't trust Him as the owner. We'll take ownership. And that's what they did. They took ownership and sin comes into the world. They took ownership. And so we, across history, you can see the children of Israel do the same thing. They go away from God. And, and, and the, the history of kings and these kings, some of the, the most of the kings in Israel were wicked. Because they said, we're going to disregard what God wants. We're going to disregard His parameters. We're going to disregard what He has set to do. And we're going to do it our way. That whole idea of stewardship. So every part of life is stewardship. Our time, our money, our resources, our bodies. And so everything we've been given is a gift from God. But then He has surrendered a blessing and saying, if you, if you manage this the right way, you'll be very blessed. And so our stewardship and our management is a part of our worship. It's how we worship God. Worship is bringing to God all that we have and are and allowing Him to lead us. It's coming every day to that place of the Lordship of Christ. Yes, we, we want Him to be Savior, but we also want Him to be Lord, Lordship of Christ. And to bring all that we are, all that we have, and we say, lead us, guide us, show me what you would want me to do. So poor stewardship or poor management is when we take control and we put ourselves in the place of God in our life. Basically, we call the shots, we're in the driver's seat. It's a, it's a horrible place to be. But that's, that's the, that, 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 that encompasses sin. And we're told to turn from that and say, we trust you, God, you know what's best. And so then we bring to God all that we have. God, what do you want me to do with my money? What do you want me to do with my time? Instead of saying, this is mine, I'll do whatever I want with it. And so, Jesus said that the commandments could be boiled down to this. Remember when one of the disciples said, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, let me boil this down for you. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, in other words, he's saying love God with all your spirit, your emotions, your mind, your thought life, your learning, and your physical body, heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, what does Jesus say? Love God with every single part of you. Every single part. And so let's take a look at, at, a, at a couple of other passages from the Word of God. We're going to on the screen. Romans 12, and a lot of you are familiar with this passage. But what is Paul getting at? Paul is telling us what proper, what proper worship is. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, of you and God's mercy to offer your what? Your bodies as living as sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is a true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, with good, pleasing, and perfect will. A lot of us have heard that or memorized it, but don't miss the significance of what Paul is saying. So a couple things that he's saying is he says, give all of you. Not just a part. So he's somewhat quoting Jesus. Love God with all your heart. He can offer your body to the living sacrifice. And if you think about sacrifice in the Old Testament, when you offer, when they offer, a, you know, an animal on the altar of sacrifice, that was the Old Testament law. It couldn't be that the, all of a sudden the animal goes into negotiations with you. Heck, did you just throw my leg up there? I'd rather be gimpy and kind of, you know, at least be alive. But what it was is that a complete sacrifice. It was because of sin, something had to die. And so what Paul is saying is, he says, I want you to be living sacrifices. In other words, you're not going to physically die. You're going to do what Jesus says, and if you want to be my follower, take it to the cross and follow me. And so what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, what does it mean to take my cross? It's die to myself. Paul says, living sacrifice. All that I am, all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, is all, it's all here. Everything that I am belongs to him. Withholding nothing back. Not negotiating with Jesus. Can I just keep a little out here for me, please? And I'll give you that, but I'll, can I hold on to this? And that's when we get into trouble. And we begin to compartmentalize our faith. And I talk about, and I use that word some, you know, God, I'll give you Sunday, but Monday, you know, Monday through Saturday is Monday. Okay, I'll give you the Wednesday night class because I really want to sign up for that. It's a plug. See that? A little product plug. But that's what Paul said. We give all of you, not just a part, total surrender. We sang about that this morning. I surrender to Christ. And what does Paul to say? He said, this is worship. It's true and proper worship. In other words, what is he saying here? He's saying, this is kind of a no-brainer. This is what it means to follow Christ. This is what it means to give your life to Christ. It's all of you, not just a part of Withholding nothing. All in. And then the second part, he says, don't manage and steward like the world does. So he says, don't follow the patterns of this world. You see that do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he says, how does the world or how does culture, how do those without Christ manage? How do they steward? Well, obviously, you can just look around in culture. What is it? It's me focused. It's me and it's all about me. I need me time. This is mine. And then I, I take and I grab and I, this is mine. This is mine. And we can, if you creep into the church, too, again, we compartmentalize and say, well, this is mine, God, I'll give you that. Give you that little piece right there. But this is mine. As opposed to saying, God, what are you wanting me to do? And then the second one is this, and that's just kind of a, almost just kind of a foundation on what stewardship is, so every part of it. And Paul gets into First Corinthians 6, and he talks about our body. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? When you belong to Christ, your body is a temple 
of the Holy Spirit, who, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. What is he saying there? You're the manager. Please don't forget that. If you belong to Christ, you are not your own. You're, you don't own it. You're the manager. You're the steward. You were bought with a prize. And so that's the love of God. That's the love of Jesus and who purchased us, who redeemed us, who reconciled us to God. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If you look specifically at the passage, he's talking about sexual sin here. But I believe that the principle speaks to the general stewardship of our bodies. Because if you aren't your own, you belong to Jesus. Honor God with how you choose your body. So why is taking care of ourselves important? And why is it somewhat a form of worship? When we aren't taking care of ourselves, we may be limiting what God has called us to do. God may call you to do something, and it, you know, if, you, if you've not been taking care of yourself, you don't have the energy, you don't have the, the, you know, the ability, and, and then you have to step out and say, I can't really do that. And so sometimes if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can limit what God has called us to do. Again, this is an area that points us to taking up our cross. Because if you're like most people, me included, it's hard to eat right and exercise. Can I get an amen? I mean, I can, I just feel like I do it for a while and I'm good, and then I just, you know, and then I say, well, you know, I'm going to have a cheat day, and then cheat day turns into a cheat month. Somebody with me? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just preaching the truth here. I'm, I'm preaching the truth. Because it's difficult. It's hard to get on a, a routine and stick with it, but it takes discipline. That's why you know, as disciples, we're saying, God, I want to be disciplined, but the payoff is worth it. A lot of you guys remember, our older folks remember Jack LaLanne. Remember Jack LaLanne? He was like the consummate nutrition exercise guy that lived to, what, 98, and he was swimming like the English parent channel of 75, you know, and like, why wow, that guy? You know, he's amazing. When he was about 80, somebody interviewed him, and I, I'll never forget this. And they said, you must love exercise. He said, no, I actually didn't like it at all. I like the benefits of it. I thought, that's really good. And so he knew the importance of it to take care of yourself. And I'm not asking you to be like Jack Lane. But it's a discipline that will be worth it. And there's a reason why it's easier to not eat and throw an exercise. Isn't it way harder to get in shape than to get out of shape? All that is very spiritual. It speaks to us that, that, that discipline is good. Discipline is good, but it, it takes time. It's amazing. It takes me really long, and I'm getting good shape, and then I'll have my feet month, and I'm like back to square one. And I'm like, what happened? But anything worth doing right takes time, it takes commitment. It takes endurance. It takes perseverance. Same thing with taking care of ourselves. Now, I, 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 I'm all for moderation. I, you know, I thought like that you should never have something sweet or fun to eat. It's just, you know, like one guy I read, he said, you know, you know, if you like ice cream, eat ice cream. Just eat ice cream every day. I thought, amen to that. I got that. 
Because in our culture, in our society, in the West, there are billions of dollars in our healthcare system that are tied to issues that could be treated with diabetes. Billions of dollars. That if people would change the way they live their lifestyle, they could actually get off medications that they're on. And I'm, I, I believe that, again, as followers of Christ, we can live as an example to this to honor God with our bodies. And again, it's not perfection, but moving towards something and having a game plan for our lives to honor Him so that we are able to do what He called us to do. Here's the cool thing. We're not alone in this battle. What does Paul talk about here? He says, we have the Holy Spirit in us. What does the Holy Spirit do? He gives us power. He gives us strength. Supernatural strength. Because human willpower will take you only so far. Now, there's some people that have an amazing amount of human willpower and applaud them. I'm not one of them. But human willpower will take you to a certain level. And God's supernatural strength, the supernatural power will take you to the strength to be able to do what you can't do in your own physical strength. And He helps us do the right thing. Why one of the gifts or one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control. So it takes time and investment. And how many, how, how multi, how many multi-millions of dollars are tied up into the, into also, like the the, the diet and nutrition world? You know, it's this. Eat this for two weeks and lose 20 pounds. You know, exercise with this and lose 30 pounds in three weeks. And you know, you see, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's not reality. But those people are selling that stuff to the masses and people are paying money to try to do this. And so there's, there are no gimmicks, there are no magic tools, there's no supernatural weight loss program except this that the Holy Spirit can give you supernatural strength to begin to walk it out and to stay faithful. So, first of all, I would say this as we, as, you know, like how do we take care of ourselves? First of all, I can help compartmentalize your faith, ask the Lord every day, say, Lord, in that area, God, maybe a, maybe a godly steward, a good manager. Give you strength to do the right thing, and he will, he will help you. I would say this: find a workable plan that works for you. Everybody's unique, and some people like to work out first thing in the morning or exercise. Some people like to do it in the middle of the afternoon. Whatever, find a workable plan. Don't find a fad diet, but a workable plan. Find other people around you that can help hold you accountable, to encourage you. Pray for you. If you need help, let me know. I can, I can give you some good resources. But again, do this with others. Encourage each other. Pray for each other. But I will say this: with anything, working out and that, and that can become an idol. So be very careful. Some people get wrapped up in it so much that they, that their motivation is. You know, you know, that they want people to notice them and it becomes about them and, and, and we can make anything an idol and it can get out of whack and so you know, keep it all under the Lordship of Christ. What's your motivation? Is it to be seen as men? You need to guard against that. That was question one. Question two. 
Why is it, or is it important to raise our hands, clap, sing out during the worship service? This is a very good question. Why is it important, or is it important? The person who asked this question, obviously what they're, they're getting is these are all expressions of worship that I believe are very important and biblical. As a part of our makeup and how God made us, and I just talked about now, He's doing this as well, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so there's a, there's a mental thing to it, there's a physical thing to it, but there's also the part of the emotions. We are emotional beings. We are, we are naturally going to have emotional expressions in response to the things of life. That, that's a part of our makeup. That's how God made us. He made us emotional. And so, again, love God with all your heart. And our worship to God should be no different. Let me, let me pause there to say this. Sunday morning, in this service, what we call a worship service, singing isn't worship itself. I hope you guys just, when I talk about stewardship in Romans 12, what it means to worship, worship is all, every part of it. And so, a Sunday morning singing service is not worship in and of itself. It's actually an expression of celebration of our worship. Worship is every day. It's living for Christ. Again, not compartmentalizing our faith. But when we get to Sunday morning, that we are there to celebrate God and, and, and look to Him as a, an expression of worship. And I would, I would say this, is, is that the only time your expression of worship is when you come into a Sunday morning, that's a hard place to be. You should be worshiping throughout the week. And then come to celebrate God. And I have some expressions of worship that are in the Bible. You can see those up here. Number one, speaking. Psalm 34, 1. I said, I will extol the Lord at all times, or exalt Him. His praise will always be on my lips. In other words, you're speaking out, thanking God. You could every day find something to be grateful for. That's, that's, a, that's a song. Fast forward to the New Testament. What does Paul say? He said, give thanks in all things. This is the will of the Father for you. In other words, be reminded in those moments, they're just saying, God, thank you for that. And just speak that out. God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for protection. Thank you for doing this, Lord, I see your hand. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you, God, that I'm not alone because of your spirit. His praise will always be on my lips. And he speak it out. Shout, shouting, Psalm 27, 6, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who will surround me. By the tabernacle I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So this idea of shouting and victory. Singing, obviously, Psalm 47, 6, Sing praises to God, sing praises to our hands, sing, sing praises to God, and about singing a new song to the Lord. Sing out and worship Him. Bowing and kneeling, Psalm 95, 6, Come, let us bow down and worship, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, that place of humility, humbling ourselves, posture of worship, and, 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 and again, bowing and kneeling in humility. Dancing. What? Did you do that in church? 
Psalm 149 says, Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and harp. Have a place where David danced mightily before the Lord, and they were bringing the ark of the covenant back into Jerusalem because he danced with all his might. Playing instruments. Psalm 33 2 says, Praise the Lord with the heart, make music to him on the tension line. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. Another place that says, Play skillfully with a loud noise. Permission to be a little loud from the Psalms. And he says, Clapping. Psalm 47 1 says, Clapping hands, all you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. And then the lifting hands, when you see people do that, Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you, Psalms, I live in your name, I will lift up my hands in a place of surrender. We sang about that this morning. It's what happens when somebody says, you know, give me all your money and you raise your hands, or the cops say this, hopefully you don't have that experience, but surrender. Surrender to God. And so these expressions of worship is, is, is a part of our heart. And so it shouldn't be abnormal. It should be a part of how we express. Think about this in culture. In, in your family, do you express your emotions to one another? Sure you do. You don't turn your emotions off, you know, at, you know, you know like when you're saying I love you and just trying to make it this kind of, well, this is cerebral, I love you. You know, when you say, I love you, this is what I feel for you, these are expressions of love and, and affection. We are emotional things. And then when we come in and worship, this can be perceived as weird or abnormal to secular culture. What are you guys doing in there? But I disagree completely. I say everybody worships. We value things, and then we have a form of expression to those things. The world does it. Don't they? The world does it. Everybody worships. Weird Packer fans. Those guys are nuts. Lambeau Field at about 10 degrees and they're doing that kind of stuff. Looks like a worship service, kind of, right? Everyone worships. And this is strange somehow. People raising their hands, worshiping God. But the previous is kind of strange. I mean, the, the, this one's strange compared to the other one. That the other one's normal. It's expression of worship. Not to let you off the hook. Everybody was celebrating when I was doing the concerts, but here we go. So that's, to me, you know, you want to just ask people, just, okay, take a step back. Let's say you brought someone that had no idea what our culture was, some person from the past or an alien or whatever, and you have, look at that. I don't think that they would think that that was normal. I'm glad the guy's excited. But in church, we're supposed to be, this is too weird in church. And we have to be the King of the Ages who's risen from the dead and who's made a place for us in heaven to get to be for them forever. And uh, don't get too excited about that. Don't get carried away. Don't get carried away. Wow. 
this was somehow maybe strange to people kneeling, worship, praying in response to what God has done, humbling ourselves. So one direction comes in. British boy band. In some ways, it's kind of sad, isn't it? But older people don't want it. I don't want to let you off the hook. Remember those Beatles concerts? Remember girls falling over and crying and trembling because, you know, Paul McCartney looked at them. Um, and these are expressions at a One Direction concert. They're crying and they're in worship. And then somehow this is kind of strange. Worshiping God and shedding tears. I say everybody worships. Yes, I can give you that slideshow of good life and you can show us people that think we're weird. And so this place, we desire this place to be a place where there is freedom to express yourself in worship or not. I think a lot of times I need to go on to the other extreme. We think that if people are not expressing themselves, that they're somehow missing out. Some people can sit quietly before the Lord. There are places in the Bible where it says they can, you can sit in, in this quiet meditation and the Lord can minister to them. He knows exactly what each of us needs. So don't look down on your nose if someone's not maybe jumping up and dancing or raising their hands like you. Trust God with them. They can really meet with God sometimes in a quiet place. And we can say, well, well, they really missed out. Maybe they didn't miss out at all. But we want it to be a place of freedom to express itself or not. We also have to say, what is our motivation? Because a lot of times in church, we can get in the flesh real quick. It can go from the spirit to the flesh very fast. And I say, what is the motivation? If you're drawing attention to yourself, that's a problem. If you're doing it to be seen of men, that's a problem. And so don't condemn others that they are either expressing or not expressing. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. You just worship. Let it be a time where you are with God and worship Him. Because ultimately, as I talked about stewards at the beginning, worship is all about Him, right? It's all about Jesus. It's fixing your thoughts and your gaze and your heart upon Him. It's placing your emotion and saying, I have an emotional response and He is ministering to me today. And I might shed tears or I might raise my hands or I might kneel down and I'm worshiping Him with my emotion. I might sit quietly. But worship is all about Him. And also don't worship or express yourself only when you like the style of worship. Well, I like that song. I don't like that song. And sitting down there with my hands. Oh, another song I like. Don't like this song. That's idol worship, if I can be honest. It's idol worship. Is Jesus Christ worthy or not? I shared this story when we were in Mexico a few years ago with the it went on a few pastor and we went back to go to this worship service and funny thing down there, they, they speak in Spanish. 
And I'm like, did they not let him hear? Placed in Mexico, singing in Spanish. I don't know if I'm but these people were worshiping God, and I didn't know that knew the songs. It wasn't even, you know, there wasn't even songs where you would recognize, like, oh, I know that song. And you can start doing the English version of that song. These were songs that we had no musical, you know, connection with, or, and, and we didn't understand the language, except those that were there that speak Spanish, um, or as they seem same to see, they were speaking Mexican. Laura Harden, or Laura, you got that joke in yeah, thank you. They do that. Um, but people were worshiping, and, and, and I, I'm not going to lie, when I was there, I'd like to say that I just jumped right in. It was a little hard. It was a little hard. I don't know that. I don't know this. And, and it was, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're just kind of, it's like watching people enjoy worshiping God. And, and you know, I felt this conviction to say, is God worthy or not of your heart? Whether you know it, whether you like it, whether you can. It's your style or not, and I'm just like, yes, God is worthy. And that's why you should be worshiping all throughout the week. Do people have preference and opinions? Oh, yeah. And that's okay. That, that, that's to be celebrated. But what I would say is, Buy CDs of your favorite music and have it playing 24-7 in your home. Right? Then that way your heart is so, it, it's how you connect with God. Then you come on a Sunday morning and it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's, it doesn't matter if you're having music or not. He is really celebrating Him because it's all about Him. So He's worthy no matter what. And so worship is all about Him. It's my response to Him. And again, Paul, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by God's mercy, to offer all that you are to God. Your whole being, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. This is true worship, and it's acceptable to God. It's pleasing to God. So this place of unconditional surrender Paul is talking about is the utmost form of trust, which is worship. So we should worship Him every day with how we live our lives. What are we doing with what He's given us? What are we doing with our time, and our resources, our relationships, our work, our schooling, our bodies? Are we honoring Him? Is He the owner or are we? Are there areas where He has been the owner? And we need to relinquish that once again. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you that you are so good to us, that, Lord, you have made a way for us. Lord, at this time, we just want to, Lord, give our hearts to you. And I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we've made worship something that it's not. We've called things worship. Which one? Lord, we have made it about our personal preferences and God, please forgive us. God, help us to come in here and we celebrate you that we can have expressions of worship or not and that this would be a place of freedom to express ourselves and, or just sit quietly to love you, to 
to honor you by clapping and shouting and kneeling and dancing. Lord, that we would celebrate who you are. I pray, God, that during the week we would live lives of worship and point people to Christ every day in the work that you're doing in our lives. Lord, I also pray for those um, here, God, maybe they're struggling with the whole idea of, of body stewardship and taking care of themselves. Just pray God your grace upon them. And I just want you to remember that Scott this earlier as I was preparing is that if there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ, if you're struggling, his mercies are new for you every morning. Don't be condemned. And start fresh and new today with his grace, with his mercy. You're not alone. I pray God for the Holy Spirit to help us. That Lord, we would not let even times of failure define us, but and then the make us lose hope that we would continue just to get up and fix our eyes on you once again. And Lord, we give you all that we are, all that we have. Lord, let us remember that worship is about loving you, that we living sacrifices. We're all in to love you because you are worthy with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We honor you today and all God's people say. Amen. God bless you. If you guys.